Good to see everybody Tuesday night. Hope that you are doing good. We're going to hop right into it. You know, here's the thing. The videos that I just showed you from Dinesh D'Souza and Jack Posobiec, that's the sources of the two videos that I just showed you, Alec Baldwin and D Dinesh D'Souza speaking. You know, as a former law enforcement officer myself, 1992 to 2017, Deputy Sheriff, Sarasota County, Florida, you know, I really am disturbed and bothered by the state of law enforcement in this country, primarily federal law enforcement, but also state and local law enforcement with their enforcement of unconstitutional COVID laws, unconstitutional jab laws, NY, you know, NYPD going wild right now, arresting people who are refusing to show their marks of the beast, their vaccine passports at Applebee's and TJ Fridays and whatever else they're eating in right now. They're ended up being arrested for trespassing because they refuse to leave, but it should a cop ever be involved in a trespass when it has something to do with a vaccine passport where somebody's being forced unconstitutionally to jam a metal rod into their arm with an mRNA vaccination being injected into their bloodstream? Absolutely not. And if you're a law enforcement officer, this should be your hill, your hill that you stand on or that you symbolically die on. This is, this is where you should stand because you might be thinking, well, I have to do these things because if I don't, I will lose my job. You know what? Some things are more important than your job like your integrity. What kind, what, why is it even worth having a job in an unconstitutional republic? Is it even worth being, is, is it worth being uh, a police officer if you're working for Joseph Stalin to keep your job? Is it worth that? Because that's where it is in New York City right now. And Eric Adams, the new mayor, is absolutely no better than de Blasio. As a side note, got some stuff on him. We probably, I don't know if I'll get to it tonight or not. But back to this Dinesh D'Souza video, Kim Potter, versus Alec Baldwin. And again, Dinesh D'Souza, you know, lays it out perfectly. You know, here we have Alec Baldwin who accidentally shot a woman. And then you have Kim Potter who accidentally shot a man. And why are, why are they both being uh, treated diametrically different? Why would that be? See, if you think that you can get a fair trial in this country, you've lost your mind. It all depends on what jurisdiction you're in and what and who actually nominated the judge. That, that's really what law enforcement has come down to now. If you look at what's going on with 1-6, it's absolutely been proven. You can't even get your own evidence released to your own attorney. It has to go through the FBI, the DOJ first. If you want video footage that exonerates you, it can only be given to your defense attorney after it's gone through the FBI filters, after the FBI has looked at it and said, well, you know, we'll go ahead and we're okay with releasing it to you. You could have exculpatory material on video being withheld by the prosecutor. That, that's, that's the state of the criminal justice system, at least in D.C., and really probably nationally. So why is it that Kim Potter is going to prison for, for years and years and years, and Alec Baldwin hasn't even been charged yet, and it's the exact same thing? Yes, she could be, Kim Potter could be civilly liable for what happens. See, what happens is that there's a tragedy and people want somebody to pay. Sometimes there's nobody that has to pay for a tragedy. It's not applicable for somebody to pay for the tragedy. Kim Potter accidentally shot Dante Wright. It's on video. It's absolutely plain and clear. It's the same thing as what happened with Rittenhouse. Rittenhouse on video absolutely self-defense. There was absolutely no criminality involved, no justification for charging him with murder and attempted murder, none whatsoever, but somebody has to pay. 
in the Dante Wright situation, somebody had to pay for an accidental shoot. No, she can pay with her career. She could pay civilly. The department could pay civilly. And by the way, they will. They'll, put, they'll end up putting out millions and paying out millions of dollars in a lawsuit. That's what should have happened. You have to apply things correctly. What's happening with the Democratic Party now is the Democratic Party is using the DOJ, the Department of Defense. Soros is funding states' attorneys, district attorneys throughout the country so that they can trump up illegal charges against their political opponents. That is what is happening throughout the country. Soros gave up on national elections a long time ago. He's simply electing district attorneys so that in Seattle you can riot without penalty. In Portland you can riot without penalty <clears throat> because it's all up to the state attorney. That's how it works. Everybody thinks that cops charge people. Cops do not charge people. Cops fill out what's called a probable cause affidavit and the state's attorneys or what are called district attorneys, depending on what jurisdiction you're in, decide whether or not to file those charges, i.e. press charges. It's not the cops. So if you put Kim Fox in Chicago, that's Jesse Smullett's. That's the district attorney there. If you put her in charge, then you end up with no criminality. The, the, the Baltimore, the, you end up with no criminal charges and an obvious, obvious criminally, uh, criminal situation like with Jesse Smollett. That's been righted. He's been criminally charged. And I don't know what, I can't remember what the outcome was, but he was criminally charged and I, I believe found guilty, but I can't remember. It's been a while since I looked at the Jesse Smollett stuff. What's happening in Baltimore right now is another Soros attorney, uh, district attorney. She's being charged with real estate fraud because she lied on some real estate documents. She's the one who arrested all the officers in the Freddie Gray death that had nothing to do with any of the law enforcement officers. But again, somebody had to pay. If somebody dies, somebody has to pay. Somebody does not have to pay criminally. Sometimes nobody has to pay at all. If somebody murdered somebody, they need to pay criminally. But Kim Potter did not murder Dante Wright. That was an accidental shooting. It's on video. But she's been convicted of purposely shooting him for manslaughter. It is not a manslaughter charge. She should be civilly sued. Her department should be civilly sued. And she should really lose her job. I agree with that. But to go to prison for the rest of, well, for, I don't want to say for the rest of her life, but for a decade over that, that's, that's where we're at right now. That is, that's the system that we are in right now. That is the state of the system that we are in right now. Speaking of that, let's go, let's go into the FBI. Now, we all know about the terror attack on the synagogue. We've been, we've been watching that. Here, let me, let me show you this video first. Let's get to the bottom of it, and then we'll look at some details of it. Play the first one for me, guys. Ramaswamy. Now, a gunman burst into a synagogue during Shabbat services and took the rabbi and three other parishioners hostage, all while demanding the release of a convicted terrorist with a history of blatant anti-Semitism. Eleven very tense hours later, all the hostages made it out unharmed. But here's how the FBI initially described the incident. We do believe from our engagement with this subject that he was singularly focused on one issue uh, and it was not specifically related to the Jewish community, uh, but we're continuing to work to find motive. The FBI was then roundly criticized for downplaying anti-Semitism as the motive. Then hours later, it reversed course, saying this is a terrorism related matter in which the Jewish community was targeted and it's being investigated by the Joint Terrorism Task Force. But the president still only highlighted the terror angle of attack. This was an act of terror. 
is an act of terror. The Attorney General is focused on making sure that we deal with these kinds of acts. And uh, thank God, thank God, we have such a professional FBI. So you have an armed Islamic jihadist terrorist take a synagogue, take everybody in a synagogue as hostages, including the rabbi, on the Sabbath, asking for another Islamic jihadist to be released from prison, and this is not an anti-Semitic event? I mean, this is, this is the state of national law enforcement that we are in right now. The FBI is nothing more than a mouthpiece for the Democratic Party as the Demo- as Demo- Democratic Party stipulates. They are nothing more than the brown shirt Gestapo of the Democratic Party, i.e. Roger Stone, as they tip off CNN and show up at Roger Stone's house in, the middle, in the, basically the dead of night in the early morning hours, only CNN there for absolutely trumped up useless charges. That is the state of the FBI where they can actually get in front of a podium on national TV when you have an armed Islamic jihadist terrorist take a synagogue captive, take hostages on the Sabbath, and they actually claim that this has nothing to do with anti-Semitic activity. Do you know why they said that? The reason why they said that is because Joe Biden and Christopher Wray, the director of the FBI, said the number one threat to America is, is, is white supremacist terrorism. That does not fit the narrative. So the FBI, as the do boys of the Democratic Party, as the tools of the Democratic Party, cannot come out and claim that you had an Islamic terrorist event because it violates the talking points of the Democratic Party, who has since formed a domestic terrorist task force that will do what exactly? Name the domestic terrorist activity, or i.e., the white supremacist terrorist activity that has occurred ever in 2021. 1-6 was not a white supremacist terrorist event. It wasn't even a terrorist event. So absolutely nothing in 2021. But the FBI is geared up and the DOJ has formed a domestic terrorism task force to go after who exactly? And what events have ever, what happened in 2021 that was a white supremacist terrorist event? Nothing. 2020, nothing. Not one thing. The only Capitol Police officer, you'll hear this in a second, the only Capitol Hill police officer that was killed in January of 2021 was killed by an Islamic jihadist terrorist, radical Islam. That's the only, that's the only Capitol Hill police officer that's been killed by a terrorist. But yet since it violates the Democratic Party narrative, You've got the do-boy coward FBI spokesman go out there being Joe Biden's finger puppet and saying this was not an anti-Semitic event. Uh, let's play that next video for me. Hit it. Right, Vivek, the, the criticism here is that we're seeing FBI leadership for some reason focusing on simply the enemies of the Democratic Party rather than the enemies of the United States. 
Look, the FBI has come out and decided that white nationalism is the number one threat they need to focus on. The problem is that the facts don't fit that narrative. Remember, actually, in Waukesha, not very long ago, over near Christmas, there was a black man who had posted a lot of anti-white content, racially hateful content, that used an SUV to kill six people and injure nearly 60 in a Christmas parade. You don't even hear about that anymore. Even want to talk about the Capitol. Actually, to my knowledge, the only U.S. Capitol police officer that was killed by an act of terrorism at the Capitol was killed not on January 6th at the Capitol, but was actually killed in April of last year by Noah Green, a committed follower of the Nation of Islam. And again, you don't hear that about that anymore. But I think that all of this is just a symptom of a deeper cancer. I don't even focus foremost on the Biden administration. I focus on the organization of the FBI. This is an organization that has persisted as a, I believe, a cancerous rot under both Democrat and Republican presidents. Keep in mind, actually, President Trump wasn't able to tame this organization either. They didn't even actually vet many of his nominees. Kaylee knows what I'm talking about on time. I think that I am no longer, I'm definitely not in support of defunding the local police, but I could get behind defunding the FBI. I think that this is an organization that epitomizes what the deep state is all about. They decide what political agenda they're going to press. It's irrespective of the politics of who's in the White House, and it actually threatens and undermines the security of our country and the trust in the people who are charged with the security of our country rather than actually protecting it, which is what they're there to do. So I think that's why it's so important to call out. And I think it actually needs to be at the top of the agenda for, for the person who runs for president next from the Republican that's Party. Personally, I think the Democratic Party should be concerned about it, too. But this is a top issue about the FBI. That's what we need to see in this. It absolutely needs to be on the top of every Republican's ticket, line items that they want to get done. The FBI must be dismantled and disbanded. It is absolutely nothing but a left-wing political organization with firearms and law enforcement powers. That's who the FBI is. Let's, let's look at what um, he just said. They, now, remember, they just formed a domestic white supremacist terrorist enforcement unit in the FBI slash DOJ. What's happened in 2021? You had the Waukesha killing. That was, that was the man driving his SUV into a crowd mainly of all white people, and he himself was a black extremist terrorist. He put out black extremist terrorist uh, items out on social media, quotes on social media. Then you had Noah Green, who was the Nation of Islam uh, actor who ran over a Capitol Police officer. That's the only, th those are the terrorist activities that happened in 2021. If they were white supremacist terrorist activities, I would put them on the show. If there, if there, was, a, there was a rash of white supremacist terrorist activities, I would gladly stand out against anything like that. Of course. I'm not going to be in here telling everybody all the time, you know, like every white person has to constantly say over and over again and genuflect to the left. I'm not a racist. I'm not. Listen, I don't. I'm going to be called a racist no matter what I do. I'm obviously not a racist. I don't care what anybody says about me. So I'm not going to keep saying. But the bottom line is, is that there is no white supremacist terrorism going on. But yet Joe Biden's DOJ forms a white supremacist, what he's calling a domestic terrorism task force. There isn't any. The terrorist activity from Collingville, Texas at the synagogue, he's not even from the United States. He's from the UK. Now, this is a Washington Free Beacon video. As the hostage situation developed at the Texas synagogue on Saturday, Matt, Michigan's, listen, this is Michigan's Attorney General, Dana Nessel, Novid Branch Covidian, 
COVID Nazi herself, Dana Nessel, who is, again, the Attorney General, this is the number one law enforcement officer in the state of Michigan, raised the possibility as the hostage situation unfolded that it was white supremacists doing it. Play it for me. At the end of this, and he was asking to speak with his sister. We do know this is an ongoing hostage situation the White House is monitoring as well. This has been elevated to a federal level. Um, as you watch this thing unfold, what are your biggest concerns? Well, my biggest concern, uh, hearing that it's at a synagogue, is that this is um, someone who's intent on um, committing hate crimes and an act of domestic terrorism. And it's not just uh, a random person who wandered into a synagogue. Now, we don't know that for certain, but we have seen an incredible rise uh, in rhetoric that is anti-Semitic being trafficked all around the country. And in the case of, of Michigan, that is why I established the first hate crimes and domestic terrorism unit anywhere in the state, one of the first in the country, because we were seeing an exponential rise in hate crimes and an exponential rise in the formation and the membership of these extremist organizations, many of which are white supremacy organizations, and they traffic uh, in hatred against Jews and other minorities. And so it's a, a considerable issue. When I took office, I met with the White House, and I told them that one of my biggest concerns about my state was these uh, escalating threats against these communities, uh, and especially the Jewish community in uh, in the state of Michigan and, frankly, all around the United States. So if it does turn out that that is the motivating factor here, it would hardly be a surprise. Uh, let me ask you this. In talking about this... The only white, the only anti-Semitic comments being made around the country are by the Democratic Party. Ilan Omar, track what she has to say. Rashida Tlaib, track what she has to say. The only, the only anti-Semitic comments that are being made are by Dana Nessel's party. And of course, she says she met, it's funny, she met with the White House to talk about white supremacist terrorism, and lo and behold... In the state of Michigan, you have the attempted kidnapping of Gretchen Whitmer, of which you have 18 suspects, 12 of which are FBI agents or informants. Lo and behold, that happens after she meets with the White House. And by the way, of course, as I've told you before, the very same person running that investigation is running the 1-6 investigation. The only people that are talking about white supremacist terrorists is the Democratic Party. The only people making anti-Semitic comments is the Democratic Party. That's it. And here, let's go to the next one, the post-millennial video. Let me just, let's go over what Biden said one more time. Play it for me. Do you know why he targeted that specific Well, no, I don't. We, we don't have, I, I don't think there is sufficient information to know about uh, why he target that synagogue, why he insisted on the release of someone who's been in prison for over uh, 10 years, why he was engaged, why he was uh, using anti-Semitic and anti-Israeli comments. Uh, I, 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 we just don't have enough facts. The reason why he did, Joe, was because of anti-Semitism. Happens at a synagogue. Happens on the Sabbath. Takes Jewish prisoners. Takes Jewish hostages. It is a uh, Islamic jihadist terrorist 
It's anti-Semitism. Say it. But you see, you can't do that because it violates Joe Biden's narrative. The truth, they don't worry about the truth at all. All that matters to them is we have to uphold the narrative. If the truth violates the narrative, you either suppress the truth, like you do ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, uh, monoclonal therapy, suppress the truth that it's a 99.9% survival virus, suppress the truth because the narrative must live on because the motives behind the narrative must live on. The motives behind the narrative of the Democratic Party is to control you, period. That's what, I'm not gonna get sidetracked, but that's the period. I mean, that is the motive behind the Democratic Party narrative. All right, uh, Jacob uh, McGid tweet, FBI identifies... Congregational Beth Israel hostage holder as 44-year-old, I'm never going to pronounce his name correct, Malik Akron, a British citizen. So this is not a domestic terror. So I guess this isn't going to go over to the domestic terrorism task force that Joe Biden put together. The FBI's evidence response team, ERT, will continue processing evidence at the synagogue. At this time, there is no indication that other individuals are involved. So there's our guy, Malik Fasal Akran. That is our terrorist. Let's go to the next one, Rahim Kassam tweet. You can't fly without Pfizer's approval, right? Islamist, Texas synagogue terrorist, was banned from the U.K., from a UK court after 9-11 rant, case will rise issues, case will raise issues about how Malik Akram managed to fly to the US a fortnight before attack on the synagogue. Leave this up. Now here's the thing. What you always have to remember is the UK is one of our five eyes countries. You have the United States, you got the UK, you got Australia, you got France, you got Canada, five eyes countries. So we share intel. Did the FBI know about Malik Akram before he ever got here? Do you think they did? They probably did. Pretty much 99.9, just like they knew the 9-11, the 9-11 hijackers were here and did absolutely nothing. You have a guy who's banned from a UK court. Why? Sateris was banned from the UK court after 9-11 rant. A Muslim extremist terrorist rant banned from the UK court somehow is it a, is able to fly now you on the other hand you can't fly as Raheem Kassam says you can't fly without your vax pass but somehow this guy is able to fly into the United States with his vax pass and commit a terrorist act at a synagogue in Collingville Texas how does that work is she because I'll tell you how it works leave this up this is how it works. He didn't violate the globalist, and I'll, I'll keep it local, it's the globalist slash leftist slash Democratic Party narrative agenda. He doesn't violate any of it. He's not a white supremacist terrorist because everything has to be blamed on white people. Everything has to be blamed on, so he's good there. He has his vax pass. He's good there. He's an Islamic terrorist, which doesn't violate 
the leftist narrative. You're allowed to be an Islamic terrorist because if you say anything bad about Islamic terrorists, you're a racist, you're not woke. So if you're an Islamic terrorist, you don't violate the leftist globalist narrative and the leftist globalist narrative is what's running the globe right now. So he doesn't violate any of those things. And the FBI is a leftist, globalist, law enforcement agency and nothing else. And I'm talking about all of them. People are always like, no, don't talk about the rank and file. I will talk about the rank and file because they say absolutely nothing. The rank and file are the ones doing the raid at Roger Stone's house at the crack of dawn, and they notified CNN. Fox News wasn't there. No other news outlet with Newsmax wasn't there. OWN wasn't there. Only CNN was there. That's rank and file, and they're perfect. If you don't say anything as a rank and file person, you don't have the guts to risk your job to do what's right, then you are part of the problem, and you are no different than your corrupted bosses, period. So this guy, because he goes with the flow with the narrative, he's perfectly covered by the leftist globalist narrative, flies right into the country, no problem, not checked by anybody, not followed by the FBI, nothing. And he goes and commits a terrorist ask. Let's go to the next one. Sky News video breaking. The British man who, who took the four hostages in Texas, Malik Akram, had been on the radar of MI5. And at MI5, which is the British intelligence version of the CIA, he was on their radar. They're a Five Eyes country. We share intelligence information. So the FBI probably knew about him and did absolutely nothing. Play the video for me. We've now learnt that he had also previously been on the radar of the security service, MI5. They started investigating him uh, in the back half of 2020. And I understand that the suspicions about him were related to Islamist terrorism. And what was described as a, a short lead investigation, um, which is something that's short of a, a longer term um, a covert investigation of a, of a subject of interest, that it concluded that there was no threat to national security at that time. Uh, and in terms of how long that investigation lasted, I understand that it was more than four weeks. It might have concluded, therefore, at the back end of 2020 or uh, as, uh, as late as the early part of 2021. But to give you some kind of context of the threat that MI5 is having to contend with, there are at any time about between three and 4,000 subjects of interest that they're looking at. And when it came to Akram... Me. So there you go. He was investigated. Malik Akram was investigated for four weeks by MI5 and then just gallivants into the United States and commits the terrorist ask, act. Now, here's the thing. It goes the same thing. It's the same exact thing in England. England is inundated with, with Islamists, and you're not allowed to say a word about it. You're not allowed to. Now, you can, you can form in the United States a white supremacist terrorist task force called a domestic terrorism task force. You can do that because that is woke, but in the UK and the United States, you're not allowed to say one thing about Islamic terrorists. And I just, again, where are the white supremacist terrorist activities in comparison to Islamic terrorist activities? We just had that one. The only capital, as I said earlier, the only capital police officer killed by a terrorist was killed by a nation of Islam follower. 
run over by a Nation of Islam follower at the gate to the capital. No, they're, they're, where is the white supremacist uh, terrorism activity? But yet the Democratic Party puts it out time and time again. And then you'll start, they put out the narrative time and time again that we have a domestic terrorism problem. Where? Oath Keepers, Proud Boys. Well, what have they done? Show me their activities. Show me where they violated the law and I'll be glad to show it on the podcast. Show me how it's a systemic issue. I think we can easily say that Islamic terrorism, radical Islamic terrorism, is a systemic problem. Would you not agree? We only lost 13 soldiers at the Abbey Gate from a radical Islamic terrorist in August during Joe Biden's Afghan debacle. Was it radical Islamic terrorist, a single bomber strapped with you know bombs all around his body, blew up 13 of our soldiers? Where's the white supremacist terrorist activity? Oh, Tom, you're defending white... I'm not defending anybody. I'm defending facts. If you could show me a string of white supremacist terrorist activities and show me that it's a systemic issue, I will support a task force to quell it. I am pro-law enforcement. I was a cop myself for 25 years. But when there is no criminal activity that can be deemed white supremacist terrorism then why does the FBI have a white supremacist terrorism task force? Because it's not meant to quell terrorism. It's meant to investigate anybody and everybody who's conservative and white, i.e. parents going to school boards and standing at a podium demanding that CRT not be taught to their children. Terrorist! According to Merrick Garland, Got to put together a hotline to report all these white supremacist terrorists, of which many weren't even white. Raheem Kassam tweet, the FBI is the single most significant terrorist threat to America. There can be absolutely no denying this. It is a government-subsidized terror faction, and I will happily debate any FBI employee publicly on the topic. Speaking of the bottom, breaking the FBI says the terrorist synagogue hostage takers' demand, demands were specifically focused on issue not connected to Jewish community. See, I mean, the Associated Press is nothing more than Goebbels. Understand something. Every media outlet, with the exception of ones, you know, like Gateway Pundit, Raheem Kassam, National Pulse, Steve Bannon, many others like, like that, all the, all the, what you would consider to be mainstream media, BBC, AP, NBC, MSNBC, CBS, CNN, they're nothing more than leftist globalist Goebbels media, just putting out leftist tripe to hide the truth, not report the truth, because the truth violates the globalist narrative. If you just look at COVID, if you look at the truth about COVID, it's a 99.9% survivable virus. There's no need to lock down. There's no need to mask. If you're scared of it, stay home. There's no need for any of it. That is the truth. Ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine prevent it and cure it. Monoclonal therapies prevent it and cure it. But all of that gets suppressed so they can usher in the vaccine passport. Not the vaccine. The vaccine is simply the conveyance to get to the mark of the beast, the vaccine passport. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Revelation 13, 16, and 17. That's what it's been about from day one. COVID caving Christians. That's what it's been about from day one. 
If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. You need to, you need to, 2 Chronicles 7, 14, you need to say to God, if you are a COVID-caving clergy, COVID-caving Christians, I was wrong because this is what it's been about from day one. It's a globalist narrative. The Democratic Party is simply an arm of Klaus Schwab and the, and the uh, World Economic Forum coming out of Davos, who is meeting this week right now. Of course, they're meeting via Zoom because they have to stick with the narrative because they all got their butts in a crack when they all flew out there in their jets to the Globalist Climate Seminar last time, flew out there in their private jets. They all got cracked real hard for that. So now they're meeting in Zoom, with Zoom calls this week. But it's all about a globalist narrative to usher in the 13th and 14th chapter of the book of Revelation. They don't know they're doing it, but they are doing it. Believe me, the devil knows and the demons of hell know, but the, but the human tools do not know. Getting back to the FBI. I want to just go over this real quick because I saw this video. It's, it goes back to 1-6. It is from uh, Justice for Ashley Babbitt. That's, that's the Twitter page. And it's Michael Byrd would have been indicted in other jurisdictions in the country after saying this. Let's go back to 1-6 for just a minute. Play it for me. I didn't even know it was a female until hours way later, sometime later on that night, uh, before I even found out that it was a female. And, you know, because the call of shots fired had went out, um, you know, it was later, I, you know, found out that the uh, subject did not have a weapon, but there was no way to know that at that time. And I could not fully see her hands or what was in the backpack or what the intentions of. All the reasons that he just gave, that's Lieutenant Michael Byrd, who's now received a promotion after this, all the reasons that he just gave for shooting her is the reasons you don't shoot her on every use of force matrix. When you go into law enforcement, they give you a use of force matrix, which justifies whatever levels of force you use. Now, the things that he said, I didn't know she was a female. So you shoot her? You can't even tell what sex the person is and you shoot her? He said, I couldn't see her hands. That's when you don't shoot people. I didn't know whether or not she had a weapon. That, that, that's when you don't shoot people. The very things she's saying were justifications for shooting her are the very reasons you never shoot somebody like that. I've pointed a gun at people in my life. I know these things. What is going on here? And how is this man not being criminally prosecuted? He just acknowledged on national TV, he didn't know that she was a female. He couldn't see her hands. He didn't know what was in her backpack. He didn't know whether or not she had a weapon. Then you don't shoot, moron. I mean, what is wrong with the state of the Capitol Police? All 2,700 members, sworn law enforcement officers for a two-square-mile area. No cops for you, Seattle, yet you just keep voting Democrats in, one Jenny Durkin after another, one Jenny Dirtbag after another. Just keep voting them in as they take away your cops, take away your firearms, but they themselves are fully surrounded by 2,700 cops, and in the entire city of Seattle, you have 990 for multiple square miles. 
multiple square miles. And for two square miles in DC at the Capitol, they have 2,700 officers. And they couldn't even, they couldn't even stop anybody on one six. I mean, that absolutely is blasphemy against all that is written and right in law enforcement as far as use of force. And yet he suffers absolutely no repercussions at all, no negative repercussions at all. John D. Tweet, the same guy, I said this earlier, but I, just want, I finally found a name, Stephen D. Antonio, who ran the Detroit FBI field office during the Governor Whitmer kidnapping hoax, is now running the D.C. field officer over, office overseeing the January 6th investigation. The corruption just continues on. All right, let's hop into COVID. This is uh, McCullough for director of the NIH video. Dr. McCullough confirms the narrative is crumbling. Play it for me. Uh, I, I would, I'm thinking about this in light of the interview that you did with Joe Rogan, uh, where you got uh, more than 40 million views and then followed up by Dr. Robert Malone, another 40 million views. And uh, I wonder, you know, I know there's so many different things that are happening, but just what do you think the impact of that was uh, on the whole official narrative and the fact that we're seeing it change? You know, I, I tend to agree with you. I think the narrative is completely uh, crumbling. And, um, you know, as a practicing doctor, I spent about half my time in practice. Uh, today was uh, a day, fortunately, I did telemedicine at home since I'm under the weather. But, you know, looking after patients, it seems uh, relatively clear everyone is getting the Omicron variant. The, uh, we're in the middle of the Omicron outbreak. And um, the, the narrative from the very beginning, uh, including, uh, you know, false statements regarding asymptomatic spread, uh, reliance on lockdown and masks, which obviously didn't work, the suppression of early treatment, uh, the mass promotion of vaccines that failed. Uh, and now here we are almost in complete free fall uh, we heard reports out of California and other uh, places around the country where even if patients were COVID positive and had symptoms, they were just told to go back to work. So I think with that, I think that's it. I think that's the end. Uh, the narrative has crumbled. People don't want these vaccines. Uh, the Supreme Court uh, came up with a, basically a partial uh, decision, but America's basically voted. They, they don't want the vaccines. They want the vaccine mandates dropped. The vaccines should be pulled off the market. They clearly are not solving the problem. And then we should just really focus on treating patients who develop high-risk symptoms, and, and we'll get through this. The narrative is crumbling, but yet they still keep espousing the narrative over and over. It's called gaslighting. Keep telling people the same lie over and over again, and eventually people will believe it, or people will just cave to it. People will just submit to it. The ultimate example that it uses in California right now, where you have hospitals sending back in COVID-infected doctors and nurses and lab technicians and hospital workers because they fired all. They all claim, oh, it's only 1% of the staff, but everybody's short now. Short of pilots, short of stewardess, short of bus drivers. Everybody's short. But they all claimed, remember that? Oh, it's only 1%. Jen Psaki in her condescending, arrogant tone. Almost everybody has complied. Whenever you use the word complying, watch out for yourself. But they always say it's only 1% of the staff, yet everybody's short. But now in California, because everybody's short, they're short-staffed on everything, they're sending back in COVID-infected COVID -infected doctors and nurses and hospital workers to go in and do their jobs, and they're actually exhibiting symptoms. 
Well, their, their whole narrative has been from day one that it's not just people that exhibit symptoms. God forbid you ever have symptoms and show up anywhere. Their thing has always been asymptomatic spread. You have to mask whether you have symptoms or not. You have to vax whether you have symptoms or not. You, you know, a, a, asymptomatic spread is an absolute lie to begin with. They're violating not only their, their narrative lie to begin with, which was, which was asymptomatic spread, they're violating the truth, which is symptomatic spread. That's who these people are. And yet there's still people, Aaron was showing me a video before, and we may show it either this tonight or on, on Thursday, of a pastor recently, he's the one who, who put the spit on his brother's face, Talking about great, what do you call it? What's it called, Eric? What kind of faith? Uh, crazy. crazy faith. The guy is crazy faith. They're locked out again. They're locked out again for Omicron. For what? You leave it down for now, and we'll talk about it later. So they're locked, they're locked down again, and you don't see that you're taking your marching orders as a quote-unquote a believer. You're taking your, you have crazy faith, and you take your marching orders from people who establish a narrative Lie, that is based in lies and then violate their own dishonest narrative and yet you do what they tell you to do? And that's the thing. Again, I know I've been on this dead horse for a long time and I just keep riding it until it turns into a skeleton. But I, I absolutely marvel. It's almost like in Galatians 1.6, in, in, a, in a Galatians 1.6 sort of mentality. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the gospel to a different faith. You know, I'm, I marvel that people who sit there and look at the Democratic Party and go, you know what, I'm pro-life. I'm anti-men being in women's bathrooms. I'm, I'm anti the trans, uh, trans community agenda. I'm, I'm anti all, trans, transgenderism. I'm anti all the, I'm anti-socialism. I'm anti-big government. But yet then you take their vaccine. The, the, the CEO of Pfizer is nothing more than a WEH globalist and you jam into your arm a metal rod pumping chemicals into your bloodstream as a conservative, as a Christian. The baby butchers tell you to jam something into your arm and then you do it. The gay activists who God called, which is called an abomination in the eyes of God, homosexuality is a sin, just like sex before marriage is sin. It's sin, and then you sit there as a Christian, and the sinners are telling you what to do, and, the, and, the, and Romans chapter 12, verse 2 tells you, to do not conform any longer to the pattern of the world, and then you jam their metal rod into your arm. How can that be? I will never understand the lack of discernment in the Christian community, or is it just cowardice? You have discerned and you're too afraid to stick with what the Holy Spirit has told you through that very discernment. I don't know. Rebecca tweet. The letter, the letter social media claimed is from 270 doctors denouncing Joe Rogan. Alleged this went all out in the Goebbels media. BBC, AB, AP, uh, trending on Twitter that 270 doctors said that what Joe Rogan said on his podcast between him and like McAuliffe and him and Malone, 270 doctors denouncing Joe Rogan. And there was 80 million views between Malone and McAuliffe, 80 million views, which absolutely dwarfs anything CNN will do for the year on any of their, on any of their broadcasts. Calling to censor his speech was actually signed by 50 
PhD academics, not MDs, not immunologists, not epidemiologists, not surgeons, nothing. What's, what's Malone and what's McAuliffe? MDs, immunologists, epidemiologists, 50, 50 PhD academics, around 60 college professors. So now we're at 110 so far out of 270. And now we're at 140, 29 nurses. Now we're at 150, 10 students, 154. So 154 were not doctors at all. But yet it's put out by the Goebbels media, gaslit Goebbels media, that Joe Rogan is putting out disinformation or misinformation because 270 doctors say that he didn't. And we already have established that 154 of them were not doctors. Way more than half. Let's go to the next thing. Uh, the no one waffler video. This should, this should do everything. They should do everything they can to avoid it. This is speaking about vaccine kids. Play it for me. Outrageous to be giving vaccines to young people because they they don't have a risk of a very very low risk of dying from COVID, so they they don't get a benefit. And when you look at the potential harm from these vaccines, uh, it just doesn't make any sense. And certainly, repeated boosters is just going to be very uh, devastating, I think, in the long term. And um, it's just uh, I've done a lot of research, and I I really am beginning to understand exactly how the process takes place, and it's uh, very disturbing. Now, the neurodegenerative aspect of this that you specifically highlight from your research, explain that if you can in layman's terms. Yes, I'll try to. And of course, the science is never easy, but it's quite fascinating what happens. The, the vaccine gets injected into the arm. The muscle cells get very upset. They bring in a whole bunch of troops. The immune cells come in, take up the vaccine themselves. They take up the nanoparticles. They start making spike protein. The particles basically get your cells to produce lots and lots of spike protein in a hurry. Spike is the most toxic part of the virus. And these immune cells then rush into the lymph system, rush to the spleen. Many of them end up in the spleen, which is where you want uh, them to be to produce the antibodies. That's the goal. So they've designed it. And they're very happy to see that they end up in the spleen, making lots of spike protein and then in invoking an immune response that produces antibodies by the B cells. But the problem is that those germinal centers in the spleen are really the center place where Parkinson's disease develops and probably many other uh, neurodegenerative diseases. But for Parkinson's, it's been very well laid out that, uh, that you get uh, prion-like proteins even from infections in the gut. Immune cells take them to the spleen, to those germinal centers, and then they start spewing out exosomes. These are little lipid particles that are released by the cell, unloading mm. that toxic protein and shipping it along the vagus nerve to the brain. This is sort of well known with respect to Parkinson's disease, and that's the model I'm using. It feels to me like this is a perfect setup for it. Dr. Sanef, um, this is a very short segment. We're going to have you back. But any parent who's been pressured into giving a child uh, this vac vaccination, what do you say to them tonight? Uh, they should do everything they can to avoid it. Absolutely everything they can. You know, this this woman right here, you just blow off people like Sef Stephanie Sanaf, who's an MIT senior research scientist. And she's telling you that these vaccinations cause harm or potentially at least cause harm to children. And we have young athletes dropping dead all around the world right now. The second Australian tennis player, and I just use them as examples because these are young people, 18 to 30, 
The second tennis player just had to retire again from one tournament. The Australian Open, the one they kicked Novak Djokovic out of, right? The second player, this time a female, is a male before who had breathing problems. She's having the same thing. She went down on all, not, not down on all fours, down crumpling to her knees. Why? Why? Because it's just it, it, two athletes in one tournament. Name the last time you ever saw that. In one tennis tournament, two athletes under 30 retiring because of their having breathing problems. And lo and behold, there's a strange common denominator with all of these people dropping dead, clutching, clutching their throats. An Olympic athlete just got found today to have pericarditis. An Olympic athlete never had it before. Strange, isn't it? And we have the same common denominator, that daggum mRNA vaccination that you have to, in order, in order for you to participate in life, you only have a few Aaron Rodgers out there and a few Novak Djokovic's out there that are willing to stand and risk it all, which is, by the way, what we all should be doing. And if we were all doing it, we wouldn't be risking it all because we are all. That's what needed to happen, COVID caving church. But you cooperated with the very people ushering in Revelation 13, 16, 17, and 18. Uh, let's go to the next thing. I don't even know. SP Hank MD. FOIA docs reveal Pfizer shot caused avalanche of miscarriages, stillborn babies. Now, let me, let me lay this out for you. I want you to get this a lifesite.com article. You can just bring it back to me now. And I want to lay this out to you. Everybody knows how it worked. Well, maybe you don't. But Pfizer wanted to hide all of their documents in relation to their mRNA vaccinations that are now being uh, given to everybody in the world, right? They wanted to hide all that information. So what they did was they sued, but they didn't sue. It was actually the FDA suing for Pfizer so that they would not have, they would not be vulnerable to FOIA requests, freedom of information requests. We simply want to see how you came to the vaccination that you are now pumping into billions of people's veins throughout the world. Simply want to see the documents. But they didn't want them released first for 55 years, and then they upped it to 75 years. They wanted to slow walk the release of basically... 800 pages a year out to the public for 75 years. But then they lost a lot. It wasn't even Pfizer that lost the lawsuit. It was your taxpayer-funded Food and Drug Administration, FDA. They were the ones that actually sued the federal government, sued on behalf of a globalist private entity called Pfizer, to prevent the release of the documents that illustrate how they came up with the vaccine that everybody that is being proliferated throughout the globe. But they lost the lawsuit, so now all of their information is being released by tens of thousands of pages per month, where it will all be released in the next eight months. This is the first dump of that information. This is the first dump of the information, and it is showing that there was mass miscarriages and stillbirths because of it. Let's look at the article. I don't really like reading things to you because it's boring, but listen to this information because it is not boring. Data Pfizer, this lifesite.com article. 
Data Pfizer didn't want you to see. That's the title. When a group called public health and medical professionals from Transparency asked Pfizer to share the raw data from their COVID vaccine trials and post-marketing surveillance that was used to license the injection, the pharma giant linked up with the Food and Drug Administration to refuse the Freedom of Information FOIA request. In fact, the FDA, meant to serve and protect the public health, hired Justice Department lawyers, Justice Department lawyers, to prevent Pfizer, a private, money-grubbing, multi-billion-dollar private company, Pfizer, the FDA is suing on behalf of them, and they hired, the FDA hired, Justice Department attorneys. This is all being paid for by you. Pfizer refusing to release their vaccine data, them refusing to do it, is being defended in court by the FDA and DOJ attorneys, funded by you, the very people they're hiding the data from. It went to court to shield pharmaceutical giant from having to reveal its data for 55 years, later up to 75. That's right, the article says. The FDA and Pfizer did not want anyone to see the numbers behind their COVID vaccine until 2076. Fortunately, a judge ruled that the FDA and Pfizer, why, are, why is, why, I know I'm, I know I'm, I know I'm beating a dead horse. I, I just, it flummoxes, it, it absolutely flummoxes my mind that you have the FDA suing on behalf of a private company. Fortunately, a judge ruled that the FDA and Pfizer would have to answer their FOIA request. Among the first reports handed over by Pfizer was a cumulative analysis of post-authorization adverse effects reports. Describing events reported to Pfizer up until February of 2021. This is only the beginning. So you're getting the very first dump of the very first couple of months of Pfizer being injected into people's arms. It reveals that the drug behemoth received more than, and remember now, this started in December. The first injections were December of 2020 to the public. It reveals that the drug behemoth received more. So from December to February of 2020, December of 2020 to February of 2021, it reveals that the drug behemoth received more than 150,000 serious adverse event reports. Now, there could have been before December because of the trials and wherever their trials began. So I take that back. It could be months and months, but still 150,000 serious adverse events reports. This is in their trial data. Within three months of rolling out its COVID shot. So it was within those three months. I, I was right the first time. So it was December, January, February, 150,000 severe, serious adverse events reported. But here, we, but here we will focus on table six of the data on pregnant and lactating women who received the shots in the first few months of the rollout, which began December 11th. I should stick with my mind. My mind's right. Most of these women would have been healthcare workers because that was who the first rounds of the shots went to. As the clinical trials preceding the rollout excluded pregnant women, those would have been the first pregnant and lactating women healthcare workers to have ever received the vaccines. Everybody with me so far? Everybody following me out here? Yes. Okay. Table six states that of the 270 unique pregnancies, 
that were exposed to the vaccine, no outcome was provided by Pfizer for 238 of those pregnancies. So you have 270 women who are pregnant received the Pfizer vaccine, right? But here's the deal. I put this guy on because he was on Rogan also. He is a basically a professional witness. He is an expert that has testified numerous times against Pfizer. He could not reveal the criminality of Pfizer because he had signed a confidentiality agreement, but said to Joe Rogan that they are incredibly corrupt. But this is how it works when Pfizer releases data to any sort of fact checker. Pfizer decides, it's just like what's happening with 1-6 with the DOJ. They decide your own, what your defense attorney gets. If you're a 1-6 you're defendant, the DOJ decides what information your defense attorney gets. From, the, from all of the evidence, the videos, the 14,000 hours worth of video, video surveillance that's been that's been uh, locked up by the DOJ and nobody can get to it. It's the same thing with Pfizer. Pfizer decides, you know what, here's the day that we're going to allow you to see, and then you can deem whether or not you think that what we're doing is safe or not. But it's after they've already filtered the data. They've already censored the data. So always keep that in mind. So Pfizer puts out, Table 6 states, that of the 270 unique pregnancies that were exposed to the vaccine, no outcome was provided for 238. So they didn't even, Pfizer refused to release the outcome of 238 of the 270. That's been filtered out. That's been strained out. They didn't even release it. This leaves 32 pregnancies. So they're allowing you to see 32. Pfizer is allowing you, allowing the fact checkers, to see 32 pregnancies. The rest of them they listed as um, no outcome was provided. Why would that be? Pfizer's reports this. So now we're looking at 32 pregnancies. So they gave us 32 pregnancies. Oh, thank you, Pfizer. Pfizer's, I mean, I want you to think about it. If you're in a lawsuit against Pfizer and Pfizer gets to determine what they hand over to the court, that, that's where we are. Pfizer's report states that there were 23 out of 32, out of 32, spontaneous abortions. 23 out of 32 miscarriages. Two premature births with neonatal death. So now we're at 25 of 32. Two spontaneous abortions with intra, intra something like uh, intraturian death, one spontaneous abortion with neonatal death, and one pregnancy with normal outcome. That means of the 32 pregnancies with known outcome, because they refuse to give you the rest of them, so this is the good news from Pfizer. This is the news that they want you to know, that 28 out of the 32 women that they want you to know about had spontaneous abortions or miscarriages. This is the truth about... This is the truth now. This is what Pfizer did not want released for 55 years. Pfizer didn't want to release for 55 years. And you take their vaccine and you're, you, listen, everybody on Rumble, Facebook won't let you share. Try if you're watching on Facebook. Share, 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 share. Cut this up. Send this to people who are thinking about vaccinating their pre pregnant wife, thinking about a, a pregnant woman, thinking about vaccinating or vaccinating your kids. The information that Pfizer wanted you to see says, so this is their good news. What happened with the other? This is the other 238 women. What happened there? 
they refuse to share it. See, that has to be FOIA'd even more. It's not good enough that they decide how they respond to a FOIA request. They need to release everything, every last thing. 28 of 32 resulted in fetal death. Pfizer's report states that there were five pregnancies with outcome pending, as well as the 238 with no outcome provided, but 32 minus 24 equals four, not five. Because of this confusion, I called Pfizer and emailed questions to their media rep. Were 28 of 32 known pregnancy outcomes actually fatal in the first 10 weeks that the vaccine became available, as the report suggests? That's an 87.5% pregnancy loss rate, and only one pregnancy outcome was normal. Please correct me if I'm wrong about this is what was sent. What was sent back to him? No reply. The FDA would have had these, these data in their hands by the end of April. Maybe this is why they wanted to hide it for 55 years. Ordinarily, when a new drug or medical device is put into action, the onus is and should be on the drug maker to prove that any unexpected events. And by the way, let me just tell you, let me reiterate this to you. This is not right-wing conspiracy. This is Pfizer's released FOIA information. 28 of 32 women injected with the Pfizer jab, miscarried. Facts. Switch to Canada. Dr. Daniel Negase, an Alberta doctor who was ordered to leave his Alberta hospital for treating three COVID patients, all of whom went home for, from the hospital alive with ivermectin, told a reporter that he had been informed of 86 stillbirths in Waterloo, Ontario, between January and July. Normally, I put this out before, but I'm putting it out again. Normally, it's only five or six stillbirths every year, but in seven months, they had 86. Dr. Mel Bruchette claimed in November that he was told by doulas that there, were, there had been 13 stillbirths in a 24-hour period in Lionsgate Hospital, Vancouver. This is what is truly happening. You're like, it can't be happening at those alarming rates, Tom, we would have heard. Why would you have heard? Pfizer's been suppressing their data and didn't try not to release it for 55 years. And then you take their vaccine. Why would you ever take a vaccine from the very people trying to hide the data that shows how they made the vaccine you're putting in your arm? This is not right-wing conspiracy. This is all absolute fact. Let me move on. Here's Bob Saget. Play it for me. I just got my booster, so I'm, I'm going to keep, uh, I don't know what that's worth because a new variant comes out every 10 minutes. Strange that he died shortly after that. Strange Betty White was absolutely fine until she got her booster. Strange that all these athletes are dropping dead throughout the, throughout the world right now. Strange. And they all have in common that they're fully vaccinated and most often boosted. Real Developments tweet. Instead of two weeks to flatten the curve to protect hospitals, all the dumb government restrictions have flattened hospital work, uh, the hospital workforce. Over 500,000, I've been telling you about this since April of 2020 from the Becker's report. 500,000 healthcare workers have left medicine. Five, this is in the United States, 500,000, 72,000 nurses were fired in New York alone, and that was just two months ago. 500,000 healthcare workers. How, do, you want to, do, you, do you think Joe Biden will ever be missing a doctor or will it be just like the police? 
Plenty of police around the Capitol, 2,700 of them, 990 for all of the city of Seattle. Plenty of doctors around them, none for you. Plenty of guns around them, none for you. The bourgeois elitist snobs are the ones who say they are the opposite of the bourgeois elitist snobs. The very people that say that they are the protectors of minorities and have compassion on the poor are the bourgeois elitist snobs causing murder rates to go up at exponential rates in the black community, among the poorest communities. The very people that say they are the politicians for those communities to defend those communities are the very people causing the deaths in those communities. The number one cause of death in the black community is abortion, given to you by the Democratic Party who says they are the savers of life in the black community. It's all lies. They are exactly the opposite of everything they claim to be, and you are are exactly the opposite of everything they claim to be. They'll call you exactly what they are. The very people that will call you a murderer because you don't wear a mask are responsible for between 40 to 60 million abortions per year. They'll call you a murderer, though. Let's go to the next one. Ahmad Karyan, Joe Biden's home state of Delaware, is now begging for volunteers. Told you. Remember Jen Psaki in her smug, arrogant way? No, you know, these are, we're only talking about 1%. Almost, we have 99% compliance. And why are, these, why are these tweets and these social media posts all over social media? This is going on in California. It's going on in Joe Biden's home state of Delaware. Is now begging for volunteers to work the hospitals after they fired everyone for the vaccine mandate. And they're bringing in people who are infected with COVID to work after they fired people who didn't take the vaccine who weren't infected with COVID. And you think this is all about your health? It's all about a narrative to control you, mark you, distance you, and dominate you. That's all that it's been about from day one. How could people not know it, and how now could you not see it? Phil Kirpin tweet, Michigan State Auditor General's report, number of Michigan nursing home deaths 42% larger than Whitmer disclosed. So Whitmer did it. Let's, look, let's go down the list. Let's see who did it. Ready? Cuomo did it. 16,000 people died needlessly. Now you have Whitmer who did it. 8,000 people died needlessly. They were putting in. You only have, when you're dealing with COVID or a flu season, you have a very vulnerable population, and that's in the nursing homes. Half of all of Michigan's deaths, I believe it's 60%, 60% of all of Michigan's deaths from COVID occurred in nursing homes. So you have the very vulnerable and the allegedly these defenders of life, and they also call themselves de defenders of democracy all the time, while they use democracy to outlaw democracy. But these very people who say they're defenders of life, Gretchen Whitmer put COVID infected, infected patients purposely into nursing homes. Cuomo did it in New York. She did it in Michigan. Phil Murphy did it in New Jersey. Tom Wolf did it in Pennsylvania. Gavin Newsom did it in California. J.B. Pritzker did it in Illinois. All of these COVID tyrannists who are claiming that they want to save your lives are actually killing people. So their motives is obviously not saving lives. It's what? Their own personal power grab and their own personal monetary gain. That's all that it's been about from day one. That's why you're always catching people like Gretchen Whitmer vacationing in Florida 
not abiding by the very dictates that they put in place in their home states. That's why you have Nancy Pelosi buying a $27 million mansion in Southern Florida, away from her own mandates. Let's go to the next one. Here's a map, statewide. Now, you can look at all the red. The red is statewide mask mandates. Now, look at the graphs. Everybody who has a statewide mask mandate is in red and, and is and are or is at the bottom illustrated in a graph. Look at, look at their stats. You want it? Okay, your mask mandate. Now, everybody without the mask mandates doesn't look like that, but if you do have mask mandates, look at you. Look at you. Now, no, I'll take that back. In, in all actuality, everybody ends up with the same graph at some point because you have a, a respiratory virus, a mutational shift re respiratory virus. Eventually, you will have a peak like that, just like you do every cold and flu season. But mask mandates do absolutely nothing. Everybody in red has a mask mandate. Everybody in red is illustrated at the bottom. Everybody has a huge spike right now with cases going through the roof because masks do absolutely nothing. Go to the next one for me. COVID infection fatality. This is, a, this is brand new. Notice the date on the top. December 23rd, 2021. Only a month old. Another Ioannidis, Axford, Stanford study. Here's your death rates. This is what they shut the world down for. Let's go over them one at a time, shall we, very quickly. This is, this is COVID infection fatality rate. So post-infection fatality rate. You catch COVID, you're zero to 19 years of age. You have a 0.0013 chance of dying of it. 20, this is after you're infected. This is not just the whole population and your overall chances of dying of COVID. This is post-infection death rate. 20, uh, 20 to 29, you catch COVID, Point, you have a 0.008% chance of dying. 30 to 39, 0.021% chance of dying. Exactly the same as the flu. 40 to 49, 0.042% chance. Slightly, very slightly higher than the, flu, than the flu. No, actually, it's lesser than the flu because you have a 0.1% chance, so I'm wrong about all that. It's all lesser than the flu. 50 to 59, now you're at flu. We finally reached flu rates. We have finally reached flu rates, 0.1% chance of dying. 50 to 50, 59, 0.1% chance of dying of COVID after you catch it. 60, after you're 60, you're dead, right? Absolutely no chance of survival, 60 plus. You have a 0.65% chance. So your survival, your odds of survival are 99.4%, 60 to 69 after you've caught COVID and they shut down the whole world because of it. And now that everybody thinks after 70, you're absolutely dead. You have a 96% chance after 70. That's including everybody with multiple comorbidities. You still have a 96% chance of dying of COVID. Oh, oh yeah, of surviving. Aaron just fixed it for me. 96% chance of surviving COVID post 70 years of age. That includes everybody 80 to 92. And this is what they shut the world down. You honestly think this was, was about saving people's lives? This was all about getting to the mark of the beast. That's what it's been about from day one. And COVID passports are either the beginning of the mark of the beast or a precursor to the mark of the beast. Adam, Adam Crichton tweet, new published COVID-19 survival rates. There you go, right there. Now there's the opposite and that's the survival rates. Let's just go right to the next one. Aaron Carity, MD tweet. We know these barriers didn't help. Now, here's remember, this is what they did to your kids in school, right? They were masked 
sitting behind these plastic bubbles, plastic rectangular bubbles. We now know these barriers didn't help. Now, how would anybody not know that? If the whole idea behind keeping COVID off of people was airflow, you might not want to stop airflow. You see, I mean, I know that's absolutely crazy. That's called logic. That gets suppressed because that violates the leftist globalist control you narrative. In fact, they make these things worse for an airborne virus by impeding ventilation and airflow. Even prior to the proof, no sane society should ever have done this to children. Obviously. All right, Matt Rinaldi tweet. Also, 59% of Democratic voters support house arrest for unvaccinated and 45% of them support putting the unvaccinated into camps. Just so you know what we're dealing with, I put that tweet. Just so you know, this is not some kind of glad hand, how you do, pat you on the back. You know, you're Democrats and we're Republicans, you're conservatives, you're globalist, bourgeois, elitist, snob leftists, and we're all just gonna come together. No, 59% of them support you being arrested if you're unvaccinated. 45% of them support you being put into a COVID concentration camp. Facts. That's who these people are. Election wizard tweet. Just in, Joint Chiefs of Staff, Mark Milley, test positive for COVID, double vaxxed, boosted, positive for COVID. Let's go to the next one, Joe, Joe Zach, uh, it's Jack Posobiec, uh, giving tribute to Novak Djokovic. Breaking the CCP just locked down a full Beijing office building with workers still inside. <laughs> they claim it is to isolate a virus outbreak, but the Olympics is there in 18 days. So they're locking down buildings with people inside of them for a viral outbreak of COVID, but nobody's saying a word as we go and send Olympic athletes there by the thousands globally and then back to your communities once again after they all meet at the epicenter of the virus. <laughs> but it's all about your health. RHB tweet, Rodney Howard Brown tweet, my pastor, love this man. It's unbelievable that you would allow the destruction of the beautiful Hawaii. What is wrong with you? Hawaii warns tourists must get COVID booster to be fully vaccinated. So you're not allowed on the islands without your COVID booster. So what do we do? Boycott Hawaii. Hit them where it hurts and watch this uh uh, what, demand be rescinded. Watch. Watch this requirement be rescinded. Go to the next one for me. Thomas Massey tweet. Two years ago, I warned the stimulus package that just passed is the biggest wealth transfer from common folks to su super rich in the history of mankind. Oh, give me my $1,200 check. Give me my $600 check. Well, done in the name of the virus, $1,200 checks is the cheese and the traps receipts to follow in this thread. New Disclosed TV, <clears throat> world's 10 richest men doubled their wealth from $700 billion to $1.5 trillion during the global lockdown of the economic system. Strange, isn't it? Strange how that works, with the exception of Elon Musk in that picture. The rest of them all attend the World Economic Forum. Well, you'll own nothing and be happy. Well, they will own everything and be very happy. That's what it's been about from day one. Tom, you said it five times. Here comes number six. It's all been about from day one, distancing you from one another, controlling you, 
marking you and dominating you for their own monetary gain and their own personal power grab. Thomas Massey, we got Thomas Massey tweet first, don't we, or did I just read that? All right, here's the video that goes along with it. Play it for me. Uh, sir, you called this the biggest wealth transfer in the history of mankind to Wall Street and bankers. What do you mean? Well, I mean, there's $1,200 checks in this. I think that's the cheese in the trap. Um, if you take $6 trillion and divide it by 100 million families, that's $60,000. Where is all that money going? It ain't going to all the families. Now, you may say there's a good argument for propping up the banks at Wall Street, and there may be a good argument, but let's be honest, that's where most of the money's going. Yeah, so $6 trillion was handed out during 20, 20, during the 22 months of 15 days to flatten the curve. $6 trillion was handed out. If it was all handed to us, we all, 330 million of us in the United States, would have received a $60,000 check. But most everybody received a $1,200 check, and then some people got four dollars to $600 per week. So where did the rest of it go? To globalist banks and globalist financial institutions, globalist companies like Jeff Bezos and Amazon. That's where it went. All right, moving on, let's cover in these last couple of minutes. Let's look at some Democratic Party fun stuff here. Greg Kelly video, when I go to the drugstore for a 10 p.m. candy binge, look at what's happened to where he goes and gets his candy. Play it for me. Now, why has that happened? Because of the Democratic Party deeming theft no longer a crime. You can steal up to $900 worth of items and not be considered a felonious offense. This is all over the country. This is in Portland. This is in Seattle. This is in San Francisco, all done by Democrats. So now Greg Kelly goes to the store. He's a Newsmax host. He goes to the store to get some candy. It's all locked up. And that's all because of the Democratic Party. Put Let's assign blame. This is not the YMCA where there are no winners and losers. We assign blame and we call winners winners and losers losers. This has all happened because of the Democratic Party institutionalizing lawlessness throughout the United States of America. Speaking of that, of course, here we have this is Ian Miles Chong, this is Ian Miles Chong video, and he entitles it White Supremacy. Play it for me. Okay, cool. Let me get it. I'll get a car for you. You can watch out. Don't touch me. You ain't touch me. I'll touch you. You can touch me. 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 You can touch Security would stop these people without even thinking twice about it. Look at where we have degenerated. Look at how far we have degenerated in only four or five years. And really, it's all occurred in 2021, now etching into 2022. We have degenerated to the place where people are walking out. Again, where's the white supremacist terrorism? I don't see it. That allegedly is the number one uh, threat to American society is white supremacist terrorism. I I don't see that anywhere. I see lawlessness, whether it's white or black, as the number one threat to American culture. But right now, you see them just walking out. Nobody can do a thing. Nobody will stop them at all. As a matter of fact, somebody, when this, right there at at the sliding doors, 
One of the security guy actually does grab a hold of them or some of the merchandise, and somebody accuses that security officer of committing a battery. If you if you can hear if you don't just leave it play muted. See, he's trying right there, and somebody actually says he's breaking store policy. He's committing a battery by trying to stop them from stealing thousands of dollars or hundreds of dollars worth of merchandise. We've degenerated to this place in one year under a Democratic president. Like, no, this was going on before. It was going on in isolated locations before. But now under an administration that preaches and supports lawlessness via what they say and what they legislate, this is the country that we are living in right now. And for those of you that don't think that it's coming for you or coming to you, it will. It will. A lot of people right now, you know, I, I just comply. And as I comply, you know, I get to keep my job. I get to keep going into restaurants. The tyranny knows no bounds, and it will come for you. This is some John Schreiber videos. This is keep hearing of train burglaries in L.A. on the scanner. Side by side this, Aaron, if you could. I'll read it as we're and just play it. Keep hearing of train burglaries in L.A. The scanner so we went to Lincoln Heights to see it all, and there... Uh, looted packages as far as the eye can see. This is in LA, run for decades by the Democratic Party. This is LA. This is not in Delhi, uh, uh, India. This is not in a third world country. This is in the United States of America. Go right to the next one, Aaron, just keep doing the same thing. Here's, here he says, as far as you can see, trains frequently slow in this area as they get worked, as they get, as they get worked into I don't, I don't understand what he's writing but anyway they get they slow down right here this is just more footage this is in los angeles california run by gavin newsom run by eric garcetti the mayor this is los angeles this is not a third world country this is this is the end result be not deceived god is not mocked for whatsoever a man sows that shall he also reap when you sow lawlessness via electing Democratic Party mayors and governors and city council members and congressmen and senators. This is what you get every time. Go right to the next one, titled Missing a Package, Shipment Delayed. Um, oh, that was the third one? Okay, this is a different one. It's, that, that's the last. You went, you went one ahead on me there. Ron Mill, let's go to the Ron Miller video. This is, this is, now we covered LA, which is run by Eric Garcetti, now we'll go to Chicago, which is run by Eric Garcetti, Democrat, an extreme COVID tyrant, to another COVID tyrant who doesn't follow her own COVID tyranny, Lori Lightfoot. This is Lori Lightfoot's run, Chicago. Just go ahead and play it for me. Like, for real. Oh, I'm at too many K, bro. You know? I'm just get on news, baby. Y'all is super thirsty for this. Shit. I gotta go, but boy, anyway. The train is moving. Train is moving, bro. Look. 
Trains more than for still on the spot like hey. So just curious, where, where exactly is the white supremacist terrorism? I, I mean, I, again, I'm just wondering where is it? I, I'm just not seeing it. This, this seems to be much more of a threat to our culture than any white supremacist terrorist event that hasn't occurred. They're claiming things that are not occurring are the number one threat to America. And I'm showing you videos of systemic lawlessness and nobody's doing a daggum thing about it. Where's the FBI? Where's Pete Buttigieg, by the way? Which that entire train system, both in LA, those were the previous videos and the video that I just showed you from Lori Lightfoot, Chicago, are all under Pete Buttigieg's Department of Transportation. What's happening? Where, where are the prosecutions? I, I'm just curious. One year of a Democratic Party president, and that's where we're at right now. Democrats, that should concern you too. This should concern you. Are you a thief yourself? You don't think this is going to affect your own prices? It's kind of, look, at, look at hyperinflation right now. You think lawlessness may have something to do with that also? Think about, did you see all the packages on the side of the train tracks in LA? You think that might have to do with supply line issues? Maybe? No, I'm almost out of time. Let me try to cover, I, yeah, I cover let me cover Novak Djokovic because... Um, otherwise, it's going to fade into oblivion. This is Avi Yemeni video. Play it for me. He is the reigning Australian Open champion, and he cannot play because he is unvaccinated. Now, our next guest has been covering the story from the beginning. He has great insight into the entire lockdown going on two years and insanity in Australia. His name is Avi Yemeni. He's the chief Australian correspondent for Rebel News, and he joins us now from Melbourne. Avi, great to have you on the show this morning. I'm just going to turn it over to you. What's your reaction as you see what's happening in Australia this morning? Well, thanks for having me. It's been an insane week, but a couple of corrections. It's not actually that the the government um, appealed it and won the appeal. That's not true. He first, when he came in, they, uh, they tried to ban him saying his uh, vaccine exemption was invalid. Um, when he appealed that he won in the federal circuit court. And um, what then transpired is the government claimed that he'd lied on his, um, his, his papers to get into the country in his documentation. But that's not even what they came after him at the end. At the end, the Minister of Immigration exercised his discretionary power to remove Novak Djokovic for the reason that his mere presence in the country would essentially incite dissent, he said, citing that he was a risk to civil order. So him being him, oh. him being here, not that he was unvaxxed, but that people perceived um, his his way of thinking, his belief to be anti-vax, and that could inspire um, people not to get vaccinated in a country where we're... Me? So there, the reason why Novak Djokovic, the world's number one player and three-time reigning Australian Open champion, defending champion, the reason why he was removed from the country was because he could possibly inspire anti-vaccination rhetoric in the public, that he could actually inspire people to not believe the government. That's why, he, that, by the way, that's written 
by the government. He was removed. He was kicked out of the country because he could cause anti-vax sentiment in the public. That's, where that, that's why he got kicked out. Just so you know, there was no other reason. They have no other justifiable reason. He won the first court hearing, and then they just trumped up. Think about that. What governments in history have you heard rhetoric like that from before? Kicked out of the country because he could cause people to think something. That's why he was removed from the country. And I want to show you this video. Here is the Australian Open right now. Play it for me. tell me you've seen this before because you haven't in days before that a, a, a male tennis player couldn't breathe and he had to quit don't tell me you've seen this before because you haven't let me finish with this guys go to alex thompson for me this is a video i just have to finish on a lighter note this is uh kamala harris answering a very simple question and listen listen to her dynamic response play it for me does the administration say, you know what, this strategy isn't working. We're going to change strategies. Six former administration officials last week wrote that open letter urging the administration to change course, to change strategy. Is it time? It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. Every day it is time for us to agree that there are things and tools that are available to us. So let's frame out her answer. Ready? Put it up on the big now screen we for know. me. We still no, let's go. There you go. Here's her answer. Now she was asked, is it time for the administration to change its course? This was after they had received uh, letters requested from prominent Democrats requesting, please change course after Afghanistan, after hyperinflation. After more COVID deaths this year than under than under Donald Trump, when you had full when you had uh, full, you know full access to vaccinations, which are useless. But anyway, so they're saying, you know what, it, you know, the various economic problems, the supply line crisis. Time for you, maybe you ought to change course, right? You have a traffic delay the last 24 hours on I-95 in D.C. Maybe it's time to change course. And her response is, it is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. That's the vice president of the United States. And that's the people that we stand against. And here's the thing. We don't even actually stand against people. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience to Christ. That is what we do. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 3 through 6. That is what we do. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. 
We stand firm then and do not let ourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery, Galatians 5.1. That is what we do, and that is what we're doing at this podcast. And that's what I'll continue to do. I have never locked down. I have never masked. I will never vax. I will never lock down in the future, period. I make my stand. The word of God speaks about taking a stand. Stand, therefore. Stand with your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness in your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Stand. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, the armor of God. Stand with me. Stand. And by the way, we are winning. We are winning. This whole thing is turning around. They are crumbling. Their narrative is crumbling, and they are turning on each other to sit back and watch the destruction of the wicked. I love each and every one of you. Back Thursday night, 830. God bless you. Stand. Hey, I'm Aaron Yeager, producer of the Tom Lively Podcast. If you can't get enough of the show, you can always tune in and watch us live on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 830 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We also go live every Saturday night at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, which is also on the Christian Television Network. You can always watch live at TomLightBly.com, which is our preferred platform, or on Rumble, Facebook, and YouTube. If you miss a live broadcast, you can always go back and watch on Rumble or TomLightBly.com. It's also available as an audio-only show on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Thank you so much for your continued support and for tuning in. If you enjoyed watching the Tom Lively podcast, please consider investing in the program. Go to TomLively.com and donate any amount to the podcast, and we will send you this TLP cup. We look forward to you tuning in next week, and thank you for giving.